This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're handling disapproval, fear, and the doubters in episode number 186. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hey mama, it is Kristen. We are going to talk about how to deal with people who do not approve of your birth choices in today's episode. Again, my name is Kristen Burgess and I work with pregnant and new mamas who want to have a great pregnancy, who want to have a natural birth, even a sacred birth experience, and who want to intentionally create a peaceful home filled with the laughter of a happy family. Now, when you plan a natural birth, and in reality, when you decide to do something different, a natural birth is quote-unquote different, you often get haters, but really and truly what you get is people who doubt you, who don't approve of your choices, or who express some sort of quote-unquote fear or concern. This is a huge issue during pregnancy because it seems to come to a forefront. It seems to really be focused like people's buttons get pushed, people get triggered. It is a big, big deal. And it is, it's something that really impacts relationships and can cause a lot of stress for pregnant mamas. You will feel calmer, you'll feel stronger, you'll feel more confident in your choices when we walk through some steps for how to handle these situations. So we're going to go ahead and jump into that now in today's episode. So I can tell you when I was a young mom planning my first baby and I decided to have a natural birth, there was like nobody who was supportive of me. Their dad, my my older kid's dad was supportive of me. I will say that. Or if he wasn't He didn't raise many objections, but I believe that genuinely he was supportive of me and he believed in me. Nobody else did. Everybody else thought that I was crazy. Like, I had my first kid as a teenager, and I think they thought I was just being a rebellious teenager. I'll come back and talk about that a little bit more. But nobody really approved of my choices. And throughout the years, in my parenting and in decisions that I've made, I've really gotten used to people not approving of my choices. And sometimes people don't approve, and you should sit there, and you should reflect, and you should think. But sometimes it's just because you're doing something that's different from the status quo. And that's when you really want to sit down and you really want to think about why am I doing this? So the first tip that I have for you is you consider other people doubting if you can do it, other people expressing um, that they don't think that you should do it, that it's not a good idea or that it's not safe. And that's usually what you hear when you're planning a natural birth. Either it's, I'm worried this won't be safe for you and the baby, especially if you're planning an out-of-hospital birth, if you're planning a home birth or a birth center birth, or if you're planning an unassisted birth for sure. People will really be doubtful and they'll say it's about the baby's safety. And they'll also talk about how they're worried about you. You know, they don't want you to suffer or they don't want you to be a martyr or all these sorts of things are the things that you'll hear from people. So the first thing that you need to do is you need to sit down and do your research and know why you're making this choice because that helps you not necessarily counter what other people are saying, but it's much more to form the belief within yourself that this is the right choice for you or to form the conviction that it's the right choice for you. I've been doing this for a really long time. I mean, I've been having babies for a really long time. As I record this, my littlest is about to turn five, so he's not really a baby anymore. But I I had a you know, decades long span of having babies. And especially I've been helping moms have natural births 
for almost 17 years now. That's a lot of time helping moms, a lot of time as a childbirth educator, and a lot of time as a one-on-one consultant to listen to women and what they've said. And one of the things that I hear a lot that immediately sends up a red flag for me is I'm hoping for a natural birth or I'm kind of considering a natural birth. And if you're really at the place where you're just considering your options, that's great. Please listen. I totally respect you and I respect the choice that you ultimately make. But when you make a decision like, I want to have a natural birth, which is kind of a counterculture decision, it's it's not, it, having a natural birth is natural, but it's not always easy because you're doing something that's awesome. And if you think about, you know, an athlete who does something awesome, even if she's not the pinnacle of the Olympians, but you think about an athlete, somebody who runs a marathon, she's prepared with intention. If you think of a woman who is doing really well in her profession, she's probably prepared with intention. We recognize in other domains in life that when a woman is succeeding, she's often succeeding because she's put some work and some thought and some effort into that success. So it's reasonable to think that when we're getting ready for a natural birth, it might take some effort. It might take a little bit of dedication. It might take some preparation. It takes more than a wing and a prayer, as my mom might say it. It takes a little bit more than just some hope. So that sends up a red flag for me. And that's when I'm encouraging you to to leapfrog past that, to move past that. Now, again, if you're just curious, if you're trying to figure out if natural birth is the right choice for you, definitely listen because some of the things I'm going to say in the next few minutes might help you understand why natural birth is a good option. But if you've made the decision, I want to have a natural birth and I'm going to work towards having a natural birth, please come at it with a level of commitment. And also, this is why I want you to do the research because it's going to give you a conviction. And I'm not necessarily talking about a religious level of zeal that makes you some sort a crazy hippie fanatic, which is probably what other people are trying to position you as, but it makes you somebody who's dedicated. We don't say that a woman is fanatical when she works hard to excel in her profession. We don't say that a woman is fanatical when she trains for the athletic event that she's training for. We don't say that. So I don't know why we say that a woman is fanatical when she puts some effort into preparing for a birth, but that's what I want you to do. I want you to look at it like a goal that you want to achieve and you are going to do what you need to do to be able to achieve that goal or do your very best attempting to achieve it and knowing that all of that is going to make you stronger and better on the other side. And I don't want to rabbit trail too much, but I want to give you that little bit of a pep talk. And and that is a prelude into us talking about why this conviction, like you would have a conviction that this goal is a good goal for me, you know, why that is a good thing for you to develop. You want to know why you're making the choice because it helps you hold that belief inside of you that this is a good thing to work for and that I am indeed going to work for it. Again, it's not so that you can convince anyone else. It's so that you really feel confident for yourself so that when other people are expressing, you know, kind of hater things, even people who love you. So I'll give an example from my life. Recently, I was, I had lost quite a bit of weight and then it kind of crept back up, but I had never really quite even gotten to my goal weight. And I figure my, you know, my youngest is five. I want to be at a weight that I feel good at. And I decided I'm going to work on getting down to my goal weight. And I have people who are really important to me and who love me. I think, you know, they felt like they were protecting me or they felt like I was being hard on myself when I was looking into different ways that I could really sustainably lose the weight. And I found something. And I, If y'all are interested in this, email me and I can do a podcast episode on it. But I found something that worked really well for me that removed a massive amount of stress in my life. And literally the weight fell off. <laughs> and it felt so good. And so, but, 
but well-meaning people would say, oh my gosh, you know, Kristen, should you be worrying about losing weight? You're trying to juggle so much else. Are you? And I think, again, they thought I was being harsh on myself or unfair to myself. And that's not the way it is. And it, that's the same with birth in a lot of ways is people think you're being harsh on yourself or you shouldn't put yourself through that or whatever. And you shouldn't worry about that. You should just relax and have fun and get the epidural and enjoy the experience and have a cuddly baby after. And they don't realize that part of it is for you. And like for me, when I made the decision, I've got a pair of pants. And that's really for me more than the scale, though I'm happy to see my goal weight on the scale right now. But I had a pair of pants that I want to fit into. And when I fit into those pants, I feel good. I know that I look good. I enjoy getting up and getting dressed in the morning. You know, so I had a whole bunch of whys for me that helped me stand up. When these people who I really care about and who really care about me were kind of poo-pooing or even trying trying to cast a negative light on on what I needed to do. And so there's a little bit of an analogy there that when you have this why inside of you, it helps you look past those things and kind of keep on keeping on with what you're doing, even when other people are expressing that they think you shouldn't do that for X, Y, and Z reason, because they probably got a million of them, all making it sound kind of like they're worried about you. But probably it's a little bit more about them. Like some of the people who are talking about me losing weight, I think, you know, they're sitting there thinking, okay, well, maybe I need to lose a little bit of weight. And and that's what they're feeling. And, you know, maybe that comes back. But it's really about you and what feels right to you. And having that feeling inside of you can help you stand up when even people who love you very much and who are well-meaning, but they're not in your shoes. They're not you know, trying on your pants, they're not having this baby or whatever the case may be. And so when you have that inside of you, it really helps you. Okay, sorry about that, guys. I'm not even going to bother to edit that out. I'm recording this uh, podcast while I'm waiting for one of my big kids to take a driving test. And so I'm kind of recording remotely. And that was my little ones calling to ask me a question or my littler ones. I should say that I've still got a teenager at home, but he's a littler teenager. Anyways, um, and I don't exactly remember where I was. So let's just say that I was I was emphatically telling you why you need to know your why. Because that will really help you stand firm. And it will also help you. I think I was saying, you know, when there are people who really do love you. And who are really well-meaning. And they're saying things. and But you know inside of you what's right for you. I, I, I want you to do what's right for you. And I want you to be firm in that. And one of the reasons, too, that doing the research or thinking about it or, you know, considering what somebody else is saying, you don't necessarily have to consider what they're saying while you're there with them. But as you're doing the research, you can reflect back on what they said and their perspectives. Like I've thought, like, for example, uh, I, I mentioned that my littlest is turning five. So we actually had his birthday dinner tonight before um, we left for the big kids driving test because his birthday is tomorrow. But uh, I've got other kids leaving on camping trips tomorrow and that sort of thing. So I had a piece of his birthday cake because people who love me uh, reminded me that it's okay every once in a while to have something like a piece of birthday cake that is definitely not super healthy for you. And uh, even though I don't want to eat that kind of stuff every day and I don't need it every day, I can have a little piece of birthday cake and really enjoy it and not beat myself up over it. You know, so that's me taking that perspective and saying, okay, you know what, I'm, 
I'm not going to apply that to every day because it doesn't work for me, but there might be a piece of wisdom that is there, uh, especially a piece of giving yourself grace that may be there. But what you want to do is take those people's thoughts and opinions. And again, you don't necessarily have to do it right there with them. You can just thank them for their thoughts and say, you know, I'll consider that. And then later on, do consider it, like consider where they're coming from. And we'll talk more about this in a few minutes when I talk about specific people who you may find disapprove of your birth choices because oftentimes it's specific people feel specific ways. Again, when you've been doing this for 17 years, you see some patterns. Um, but what I want you to do is I do want you to sit down and reflect on what is this person saying? Where are they coming from? Is there validity to this or not? And there may or may not be validity to it. That's one of the things that you decide. And also do the research because that helps you, again, understand for yourself and feel firmer um, in your own conviction. Like when I had my first baby and I had a natural birth with her, like I shared, I was, you know, I made up my mind and that's what I was doing and that's what I ended up doing, even though it wasn't the easiest thing. It was probably my proudest moment to date. And I would say that my proudest moments to date have been the births of my babies. But for me at that time, it was all about, I don't want to put that medication into my baby. I don't want my baby to have any drugs in his or her system. I don't want that for my baby. And that was really it. And I knew that I wanted also a, like a less intervention and a gentler birth. So I, I chose to have a home birth with my first baby. And I also don't like hospitals. So that was another thing. So for me, it was I don't want drugs. I don't want medication. I don't like hospitals. I feel scared of hospitals. And I didn't. I, and I wanted to be able to have that bonding time with my baby. But even now, granted, it's a couple decades later, but I'm often amazed at how much we understand beyond really what was understood at that point. And if you look at the time when I was having my first baby, we were, you know, 30, 40 years into the reemergence of natural birth in the United States. But just looking at the phenomenal amount of research since then, now we're, you know, looking at 50, 60 years since then. And we just know and understand so much more. It was really a tip of the iceberg and like an intuitive sense that this was best for mama and baby. And what we found is that the research has really borne that out. And it's, it is that we don't want drugs in our baby system for sure. That's a big component of it. But we also really understand a lot more about the physiologic process of birth, the actual process of giving birth and how that benefits the baby. And you might think, okay, well, I've heard something about how going through the birth canal can help the baby. It squeezes stuff out of their lungs and gets them ready for birth and that sort of thing. And those are almost rudimentary understandings that we had. But even today, we understand so much more about the hormonal flow of a pregnant mom. Like if you're pregnant while you're listening to this right now, your oxytocin levels, your other hormone levels are so much higher than they are at any other time. And that's really, really, really powerful. Think about last week's episode when I talked about how stress impacts your baby. And we talked about a lot of practical ways to handle that so that you have an environment where even though stress is normal, and natural and even good in small doses, how you can, again, intentionally, this is kind of tying back into that mindfulness, but you can intentionally create a chemical cocktail environment that's really good for your baby and really good for you for the rest of your life. And and it sets your baby up, it imprints your baby for the rest of his or her life. If you missed that episode, definitely go back and listen to it. But when we think about birth, there's a lot of that same thing going on, only it's an overdrive. It's just this magnificent symphony of hormones and this magnificent symphony of birth. And I'm not saying that people can't have a good start to mother 
mothering without it. But what we know is that birth is meant to work. And, and you've heard me say this before if you've listened to any of the podcasts before. Birth is supposed to work. It doesn't matter what your worldview is, whether you think it's evolution, whether you think that it, this is process has been designed by a creator, regardless of it, we can all admit that clearly something wanted birth to work for the perpetuation of our species or for however you want to see that. Birth is supposed to work, and it's supposed to work optimally. It's not supposed to create a mother and a baby who are both just kind of there. They survived it. They made it through. Oh my gosh, thank gosh. Or, you know, that's not the the purpose of of birth and the process of birth the process of birth is meant to create a mother who is super in love with her baby and who wants to take care of her baby and who enjoys her baby and and a baby who is who is bonded to his or her mom because that's what ensures the optimal survival of the species is when you've got a mother who loves her child and who who is, desires to nurture her baby. And I'm not saying that women who go through medical birth don't experience that. But again, I've worked with so many women at this point and many women who come to me after having a traumatic birth or births. I'm amazed, especially in the Facebook group. I've been doing a lot of chats with moms and so many moms will tell me I'm on baby number four or baby number five and I just want to do it different this time because there's just something lacking there. And so, yes, women love their children. They're strongly bonded to their children, but they know, they have this niggling sense that there was something missing. And honoring that physiological process and those hormones help prime us for, as Dr. Buckley says, for an ecstatic birth. And I'm going to link in the show notes to the podcast interview that I did with Dr. Buckley. It's a great one to listen to, and it may really help you. I think it's a great place to start this research piece. If you know I want to have a natural birth, but I'm not really sure why other than I don't want meds in my baby system, which is a great reason. But it's just the tip, the tip of that idea iceberg. And I will admit that I think most of the iceberg is still below the water. I can't wait to see what we discover 20 years from now. But we already know so much about physiological birth and its benefits. So that's just, again, kind of touching on that why. And when you understand that, and when you feel that deep within yourself, and when you have a desire to create that experience for you and your baby, that, that really helps. And it is, it is creating that for yourself and your baby. Now, I'm not saying, again, I always give a disclaimer. I know that things happen, emergencies happen, and we're grateful for medical intervention when it happens, but we don't need intervention as often as it happens. And I know that if you're listening to this, I'm talking to you and you want to create that experience. And I hope that you believe on a level that you go a long way to creating that experience. A lot of people are going to try and do a lot to influence you with parenting your baby. Pregnancy is really only the beginning. But, I mean, a lot of people are going to try and scare you or they're going to be naysayers and they're going to, you know, especially about birth and and there are other charged topics like pregnancy, breastfeeding, toilet training, baby sleep where they'll try and, and kind of use scare tactics on you. But the truth is, and I think they do it meaning well, but it doesn't end up well. The truth is, though... You know, there's some physical to birthing. Like in my mama baby birthing classes, I definitely teach you about what to do physically to be prepared for birth, what to do physically to have a really healthy baby, all of that stuff. But a huge part of what I talk about, and I don't know if other birthing classes really go into this as much, but so much of getting ready for birth is a mental game. And what I talked about a minute ago with doing your research, 
that's arming yourself with information. And a lot of people think that's what you need to do. Like, I think that's a good start. That's why I mentioned it and why I was so impassioned about it for a minute there. But it's not the, it's not where you want to stop. That's just the first step. That's the intellectual preparation that helps seed the conviction and it helps give you the motivation. Just like think about a woman who wanted to run a marathon would get information on how to run the marathon. She would look at different training schedules, different diets, all that sort of thing, and choose what would work best for her. But then she actually has to go out and train. And that's, it's the same with your birth. So think about it. You know, you have to actually do the physical preparation, but a lot of it is a mental game. You need to prepare yourself for that. Now, why does this help you with other people? The reason is because when you prepare your mind, when you prepare your brain to handle labor, when you're emotionally and spiritually prepared for labor, because we're spiritual creatures as well, you are also preparing your mind to handle the haters. You're preparing your mind to handle the doubters because you're preparing yourself to handle whatever comes up. You, you allow yourself to move out of a fear cycle to say, I don't want to be part of that. I'm going to opt out of that. And you get yourself ready to let go of what others think and really to immerse yourself in this place of belief. Belief in yourself, belief in your birth team, belief in your baby and the work that the two of you will do together. And so that mental preparation, which is it's not intellectual preparation. Intellectual preparation is important. In mama baby birthing, I talk about physical preparation, which is movement, exercise, baby positioning, that sort of thing. I talk about intellectual preparation, which is doing the research, understanding complications and interventions, and also understanding like from a technical sports playbook kind of perspective, different techniques that can help you during your birthing time. But then I also talk about this mental preparation, which is the emotional and the spiritual preparation. It's developing that fortitude and that grit and that ability to to work through what comes in your birthing time. Because birth is intense. It, it, it causes you to pull a lot on your wells of strength. In fact, you'll find strength and power within yourself that you didn't realize that you had. You'll find this fortitude and tenacity and grace and beauty and power, mama bear strength that you did not know that you had. And it is so beautiful and so powerful. And it will literally be there with you for the rest of your life. But you want to, you need to get to the place where you've nurtured that, where you've cultivated that, where you've prepared to let that come out. Because part of that is surrendering to the fact that you are powerful, that this process that's moving through you, which is from you and your baby is super powerful and can be super intense. So just doing that mental prep will help. And when you've done that mental prep to literally handle your birthing time and your birthing day and that dance that you'll do with your baby, it's just so much easier to handle what other people are saying because you've got that confidence in yourself. You've developed that confidence within yourself. I think the best way that I can sum all of that up is a quote that comes from one of the birth stories in Spiritual Midwifery, which is Ina Mae Gaskin's collection of books from the farm, one of the first uh, like birthing center. It was a commune, but birthing center places in the United States. And in that story, the mom said, I want it to get heavy, which is like hippie lingo for, I'm, you know, I'm ready for this to get tough. I'm ready for this to get deep. And that actually has been kind of, a, I guess, a mantra, but, you know, a slogan of mine in my later births for sure. Is And it's just that place of resolute, I am ready for this. I am ready to go into this. Let's bring it on. I think that a more contemporary way of doing it would be like, you know, you think about these super excited guys who are like, let's do this. You know, that's kind of the contemporary of I'm ready for it to get heavy. It's like, let's do this. And when you're in that place, when you're ready, 
then you're ready. And sometimes part of that mental preparation is also a level of surrender because you're like, let's do this, let's go, and then labor doesn't start. <laughs> and that is a whole new ball game. And especially that might start bringing up some people who are doubters. And so again, it's that mental fortitude and that mental preparation that, okay, I know how to handle this. Okay, this new thing came up. I'm ready for labor to start. And oh my goodness, you know, baby, due date was seven days ago. Where are you? It, it's, it's just whatever it throws at you. You're ready to work with it. You're ready to handle it. You're mentally prepared for for it like and that mental is again really emotional spiritual preparation for it this faith in yourself and your baby your advisors your birth team that sort of thing and you you want to have that so again you're going to want to do the research that intellectual prep and then also this mental preparation which is a which is a higher level thing and again mama baby birthing classes are designed to walk you through each of these things like the physical preparation the intellectual preparation and then also this mental emotional preparation which is what i feel like is really missing from most women's preparation for a natural birth and it and it's really an essential thing that you need to have you need to be ready for it. and i really dive into this in my Mama Baby Birthing. So if you're interested in that, definitely check that out. MamaBabyBirthing.com. M-A-M-A BabyBirthing.com. Now let's talk about how do you handle things going on with particular people? Like how do you handle particular people who have worries or doubts or fears or who don't seem to approve of your birthing plans? Now I'm I worked one-on-one with a client last year. She had this beautiful baby. Um, and she had a period of time where she had birth plans that she felt really good about, but her husband was expressing some doubts. And so I talked with her about talking through things with him. And I gave her some pointers, some of the same pointers that I'm going to give you. And she found that it worked really, really well. And they both got on the same page and felt a lot more confident. And they, I mean, they had this really great birth where she ended up having a longer labor and he was rock solid supportive through the entire thing. I was just so in of them and the beauty of their baby's birth and their experience, even with the ups and downs and unexpected that it brought. And I think that that communication and openness really went a long way, both towards helping them be ready for that awesome birthing time, and also probably it's benefited their relationship and their unity as a couple. So this is a good opportunity to look at a chance, even though sometimes you have to put down boundaries that may end up meaning you've got to be okay with walking away from a relationship for a bit, especially with a family member or a friend who isn't supportive. Um, You know, oftentimes I think that when you stand uh, firm in your boundaries and you're respectful, you can actually end up enhancing relationships. So let's talk a little bit. So with your partner or your husband, if they aren't really on board... I think it is beneficial with them to share information. For example, you want to have a home birth or you want to have a natural birth and they're really worried. They're like, just do what the doctor says. First, think about where he's coming from. You know, he's coming from a place of wanting to keep you safe, wanting to keep you you protected. Think too about the paradigm of birthing in our culture. Think about pop culture references to birth, which are all either comic or tragic because that's the way birth is portrayed in media. And think about just this perspective of birth as a super dangerous thing. That is prevalent in our culture. Either super dangerous or super agonizing or, you know, agonizingly hilarious if you're looking at a comedy. Those are the depictions of birth in our culture and even in the collective birth stories that we share. So that's that's what your partner, if we go back again to last week's podcast episode, I talked about thinking about kind of the chemical soup that your baby's marinating in. Think about what your partner has marinated in in regards for birth. Like any exposure to birth he's had has probably been one of these negative portrayals of birth. So 
just respect that and be aware of that when you're offering alternative viewpoints and alternative perspectives. And you know your man better than I do. Like sometimes you can say, I'd like you to read this. Sometimes you may need to leave something or Uh, lying around. Sometimes you might suggest watching a documentary like The Business of Being Born would be one to consider. I know it can be a little bit hard to get right now. Some people have shared with me that they're having a hard time getting their hands on that one. Um, I would check like local libraries and stuff. Sometimes they have a copy, but that would be something. um, The shockingly named but really well done documentary, uh, Deborah Pascali Bornaro, who's a fabulous person. I love her. Um, Her documentary, Orgasmic Birth, is another great choice. So these are things that can help. If you're working with a midwife, your midwife probably also has some videos that can help if your fella is somebody who who likes to watch things and is open to y'all watching and then discussing. So just different ways of sharing information, whether it's I'm going to leave it laying around, I'm going to email it to you. Um, those sorts of things can help because it it helps counter the perspectives that he's gotten and really realize that things might be different. And you can um, you can also offer like I've got podcasts where I've talked about the safety of birth or where I've talked about why birth is safer than you think. That one might be a good one to listen to with him. So these are just some resources for that that informational piece for him. And and like I want to acknowledge that, like I said, you are fabulously powerful during pregnancy and during birth, but your man still wants to protect you. So let him do things for you. And sometimes if you find other ways to engage that protector, it, it helps him also be receptive to what you want. So share information, yes, but also talk in feelings, like talk in wants and don't wants. This is what I recommended to my client for when she had a conversation with her husband. So it was like, you know, I feel really good about my birth plan. It feels really icky to think about, they were planning out a hospital birth. So it feels really icky to think about going to the hospital. It just, it, it, it doesn't feel good to me. I don't want to do that. What do you think about that? So that's, that's a really simplified version of it. But often when you use feeling words, first of all, you're not saying you, 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 you. You're not pointing fingers, but instead you're offering up feelings and you're sharing how important something is to you, but you're doing it in a way that is feeling. And that that engages that protector problem solver that many men have. And it can be a really good way to communicate with them. And then you follow that up with, You know, it just doesn't feel good to me to think about going to the hospital. I feel really good about how much work I've done to prepare for this pregnancy and to prepare for this birth. And it just, it feels good for me to be at home and to follow this plan that we had. What do you think we should do? Again, notice the only time you came in is at the end when you're saying, what do you think we should do? And then you give him a moment to think through and be the problem solver and to think about that sort of thing. And this doesn't have to be a one-time thing. You guys can go back and forth. But thinking through, and and sometimes it's helpful because it causes you to sit down and think about. You know, like for me, I feel scared to think about going to the hospital. But it feels really good when I have an appointment with Charlie. I feel ready. I feel confident in myself. I feel happy. I feel excited to welcome our baby. So Charlie was actually my midwife with my first kid's. So that's why I used her name. So that would be something I might actually express to my man is, you know, I feel scared to go to the hospital, whereas I feel safe with Charlie. And that is something that might get him thinking. So 
talking and feeling messages can really help, especially if you've got that foundation of information and just gently challenging paradigms. Those can be really good ways to talk. And again, the conversation may evolve. There may be multiple times that you come back to this as you give him time to process and uh, contemplate. And then, of course, too, letting him bring questions that he has to your provider can help. Like if you're having a hospital birth with and you're planning a VBAC, for example, asking a VBAC supportive provider for statistics about VBAC might be something that helps him to be able to do. Or if y'all are planning a home birth, he him being able to go to appointment and ask the midwife questions because they're used to fielding questions like that and their technical expertise is just breathtaking. Even a midwife has a lot of skill. I, I have, I have assisted at an, many births at this point and and at many prenatals, and I'm just astounded at my preceptor's knowledge. Um, you know, I haven't attended births in a while because of everything that went on in our family, but I still like just feel so much awe for what she knew. And and I think about what I know and I'm like, man, think about what she knows. And it's just cool. So they're used to that sort of thing. So if you've got a supportive provider, that can be another good way to help your partner be able to get out those, those concerns and those worries and be able to listen too to his concerns and worries and have ways that you can answer that. Like for example, talking about how physiologic birth is protective of mother and baby. And again, going back to that podcast episode, why birth is safer than you think can really help you with being able to, to answer those fears in that way. Okay, what about with your parents or other family members you're close to, like aunts or sisters or those sorts of people? First, understand where their fears come from. Again, just like I talked about with your partner, their paradigm is going to be coming up in this culture most likely where birth was looked at really negatively. And especially for older family members like our moms and aunts, they gave birth at times when it was just totally different even from what it is now. And there was a lot of fear and a lot of secrecy and a lot of just do what the doctor says. And the doctor is savior and the doctor is God and all of that kind of perspective. So think about that when you consider where they're coming from, because that can help you step back and go, oh, you know what? That is where they're coming from. And that helps give you perspective that helps you handle their intensity or especially their fear, which might be what you feel from them with a little more calmness. So you can offer to share information if they're open to that. Some people are, some people aren't. And sometimes you might decide, okay, it's not really worth it. I'm just going to set a boundary here that this is my choice. I appreciate your concern. I'll take that into account. And then that's done. But it depends, too, on your relationship and what your relationship is like with this other person. If you're close to your mom, for example, you may want to share information with her. Like, And sometimes, again, almost like I talked about with your partner, but coming at it from that way where you're, you know, think about when you were little and you were sharing something you were excited about with your mom. It might be something like that, you know, like, oh my gosh, mom, I don't know if you've read this, but I'm so excited. They've done so much research on pregnancy and birth and they know so much about how the birth process works now and like how good it is for moms and babies and how helpful it is. It's just so different than it was in the past. And I'm so excited by what we know now about keeping moms and babies safe and having natural births so that everything gets off to a good start. And I I also know so much about, you know, you're 
your your grandbaby is going to be so smart because I know so much about nutrition and how to build baby's brain in the womb and how to have a safer birth. And I'm so excited about this. And that might not be your temperament, but think about how something like that is a way to communicate information and stimulate conversation. It just comes apart really differently than like, say, when I was that rebellious teenage Kristen, or that was how they perceived me. And and, and there was some truth to that. But I was just like, you know, this is the way I'm going to do it. And I did try and share some information with my parents. My midwife gave me a book to share with them. But if I could go back in the past, you know, always if I could go back, I might, I might approach it a little bit different with that excitement the same way as a child or as a teenager, I would have shared something I was really excited about because that... That helps break down barriers and walls, and it helps ignite curiosity, and it also helps ignite a parent's desire to be supportive of their kid. Like, I know I've got two adult kids who are out in the world, and both of them are going through big things, making big decisions, like life decisions, and, you know, my heart is really to support them and to be there for them and to love them. And regardless of if I would make the choice that they make or not, So that sort of thing is probably there in your parents. And again, if you realize they're just not going to be supportive of me, you may need to say, you know what, I I respect what you're saying, but we're not going to talk about this. I've made the decision. This is the decision that's right for me and the baby. I've got a great birth team and, you know, I appreciate your concern, but I don't want to talk about it anymore. And you can, you can go with that. Be firm with those boundaries. Be calm, be confident. And, but ultimately, let, let go of their expectations and their desires for you and, and choose to do what's right for you and, and make peace with that. Don't be mad at them for where they are. Another thing that I want you to remember, I've touched on this in some past podcast episodes or maybe some Q&As, where they're coming from is a lot more about them than it is about you. And when you realize that, you can let go of that because that's their deal and realize that it's really about what's going on with them. And that's not, I, I think, you know, my counselor said something along the lines of, you know, what somebody else thinks about me is none of my business. <laughs> and that's a really good thing to keep in mind. You know, when you realize you need to have a boundary, that you guys aren't going to come to an agreement, then be at peace with letting that be about them. And it's really none of your business from that point, because your business is you and their business is them. And so there's that, you know, there's that peace. And this goes for others to like, you know, let go of the need to please people, friends, people at church or the synagogue or the mosque or whatever, you know, people at work, let go of the need to please other people or even to really worry about what they think, even with girlfriends, because a lot of them have just experienced the standard obstetric experience and something different is different. And they may be skeptical or they may tell you, oh, well, my baby is in such danger. But the reality is, and you may have come across this with your research piece, is a lot of those complications that people experience are iatrogenic. You know, in other words, they were caused by interventions. And, but you don't need to go into that because number one, they could see that as an attack. Basically, you just stand firm and say, you know what, this is what works for us. And again, if they're open for information, then you can share that information with them, but really just respect them and know that you guys are going to do what works for you. 
Now, with your care provider, I recommend, first of all, that you talk early and that you talk often, that you ask questions. Always be asking questions about the procedures that they're suggesting, about the tests that they're suggesting, about the things that they're suggesting, about your point in pregnancy. Ask questions that require them to dig and think, that don't just need stock answers. Listen to their language cues. Like if their language is something like, well, we won't let you go beyond 41 weeks. You know, let me, this is my body, my baby. What are you going to do? You know, that would be a red flag. So what you're going to do is listen for red flags in their language, but also listen to see if the two of you are speaking on the same page or if you feel like you're kind of talking around a subject or if you feel like they're kind of giving lip service but are not really invested in what you're saying or really buying into it. When you talk early, when you talk often, when you ask lots of questions, even if you already know, you know, say you decided you want to get the anatomy scan, which is the 18 to 20 week ultrasound, you would ask, you know, why do you guys do this ultrasound? What are we looking for? Just being curious, it, uh, it helps your care provider realize that you are a thinking woman and that you're you're going to ask for information that you want to know the whys. And you can do all this respectfully. Again, this, like I talked about with the parent, it's almost that sense of curiosity, that sense of awe and excitement. And that's disarming to people because instead of having somebody who's, you know, being a front of like, why are we doing this? Why is this necessary? That puts walls up. It causes people to be defensive. But when you're genuinely curious and you want to know and you want to understand like that childlike awe and wonder, that that drops defenses. And it helps people be more open to talking. And if your care provider never has time for that and is always brushing you off, that probably says something about them right there. So again, discuss your wishes early. I would recommend that you sit down and think about your birth plan early. In the show notes, I'm going to link to my birth plan kit, which is a full workbook. You can download it at free of charge, a full workbook that you can go through and helps you fill out your birth plan. Pick what's important to you and fill out a personalized birth plan that you can really talk on a deep level with your care provider about. There's a video series, short little video series that walks you through how to do that. Um, I would really recommend that you get that and that you go through that And that will really help you to dialogue with them. And I would do that sooner rather than later. Really dialogue with them so that you can get a feel for how they're responding to your wishes. And then if you need to, change care providers. You know, I, just don't be afraid to change your care provider if you need to. Another thing can be to, t- to have a support person. One of the things that I enjoy doing is I provide one-on-one consulting for women all over the world. So sometimes I, I, most of my clients are women who are in a place where they don't feel like they've got the most ideal care providers available to them. And so I'm there to meet with them. We use a we use a, a texting app, but it's an app that allows you to voice chat back and forth, like kind of send voice texts. We use that, and they'll send me any questions that they have that maybe they don't feel like they have a good relationship with their doctor or they can't ask their doctor. So they'll just send me a quick two, three-minute question, you know, every day or whatever, and I'll just – it's it works well for me because I can just answer those questions quickly. And then we talk face-to-face, some too, like via Zoom, and – I can help them do the research and help them look into things and help them be ready to dialogue with their care provider. I really enjoy doing that, and I think that that has really helped them. The client that I mentioned earlier was in that circumstance, and that way they're able to really grow their confidence and feel confident. Even if they've got a provider that they don't feel like is the most on board, they're able to have somebody's help for a working relationship with that provider. 
Another thing that can really help is if you have a doula or a good friend, a childbirth educator locally, who can go with you to talk with your care provider. Um, I needed some extra testing for some things that showed up with my third baby, and I took my doula with me because we needed to go to an OB's office for that, and the doula was really a huge asset helping me to navigate that. So that can be another thing that can be helpful. Of course, your husband or your partner can be really helpful too to just have that person as a support. But remember overall that this is your body, your baby, you are the adult. For some reason, I think we, you know, we treat women as infants when they become pregnant, but you're not the infant, you're the powerful birthing woman. So remember that. And also remember you're the consumer. You're the one hiring the care provider. So be firm, stand firm in your choices and just say, okay, this is what I want to do. Dialogue, be firm, be considerate and respectful. I'm going to link another thing I'm going to link to in the show notes is the podcast interviews that I did with Hannah. Listen to those. There's two interviews. She does a beautiful job. Like you'll be able to literally hear her tone of voice when she talks about how she dialogued with her OB, who wasn't the most super supportive in the world. And the nurses at the hospital and that sort of thing really, really gives you a good idea on how to be firm, but respectful and how to stand, stand firm in your boundaries. I think the episode is called standing firm in your choices with Hannah. And just to be confident in your choices, but also be respectful uh, to the person. So, And you can also share research. Like I said, I often help women research. And I've found many, many, many women have benefited from that. They take research because OBs are busy. Even midwives are busy. They don't always keep up with the latest research. And when you're able to provide them these studies about delayed cork clamping or this or that or the other, then they go, oh, you know what? That makes sense. And I'm willing to do that. Um, That can really help a lot. So these are all things that will really help you. We talked about some particular people. We talked about some, some general tips like doing that research. Please do that mental work. It will help you. And part of the mental work, the emotional preparation, the spiritual preparation, is doing this work that I've talked about with how do we talk to other people about our choices. But then we've also talked about how to work with particular people, your partner, um, people who you're really close to, like your parents, your aunts, your sisters, those close family members, other people that are part of your world like your coworkers, people at your church or your synagogue, your mosque, these people who, who are a big part of your world but who are more acquaintances, and then also working with your care providers. So these are things that can really help you with these people, help you to feel help you to feel more confident in your choices and to dialogue with them about that. Do not forget that Mama Baby Birthing will really help you. I love this program. I have poured my heart and my soul into it. I have poured the experience that I have had with my eight babies and preparing for their births into it, as well as with the thousands of women who since the very first iteration of Mama Baby Birthing have helped me make the program better and better for you. It will help you get physically ready. You will have a really healthy baby after you go through it. It will help you get the movement in that you need to to be fit and ready for pregnancy. It will help you have baby lined up. You'll understand interventions, complications, and how to prevent them. You'll also have a whole tool bag of techniques to use to work with your labor and birth, to handle the contractions, to make it through from start to finish with your beautiful baby in your arms. And you'll also be ready for that mental, emotional, spiritual component of preparing for birth, which is also part of preparing you to be this powerful, strong mama bear who goes forth as a beautiful mother. And this experience of mothering just brings so much to us. 
And that essence is in Mama Baby Birthing and will help you prepare. So definitely check that out at mamababybirthing.com. Again, I also work one-on-one with moms. If you're interested in that, shoot me an email, Kristen at naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and we can get you signed up for that and start working on that. Like today, if you're ready to jump in, I am ready right now. I do have openings for one-on-one clients, but definitely check out Mama Baby Birthing. It's self-paced, online, ready for you no matter where you are in the world, or shoot me an email, Kristen at naturalbirthandbabycare.com if you have any questions. With that... I will talk with you next week and have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.